Hello and welcome back to Flash Knockdown, episode 5 of the weekly podcast brought to you by Matchroom Boxing. As always, we'll be talking through all the latest stories from the squared circle and having some fun along the way with some very, very special guests. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, joined as always by producer Scott Hamilton. It's a busy week for us at Matchroom with staff all over the world, quite literally. We are remote for today's episode, but here's what we have coming up over the next half an hour or so. Dimitri Bivol and Zerda Ramirez, they speak from the desert in Abu Dhabi. Nigel Ben, what a treat it is to have him on the show this week. He reflects on his epic rivalry with Chris Eubank Sr. and previews his son Connor's clash with Chris Jr. on October the 8th. Short and robe designer extraordinaire Sophie Whittam. She makes up our everyone but the fighter section. Former painter and decorator turned IBO world lightweight champ Maxi Hughes. He looks to dethrone his gym mate Josh Warrington at the top of the dance partner's leaderboard. And 2-0 cruiserweight Chev Clark runs over the best things to happen in boxing last week before his next outing in Nottingham. Don't go anywhere. We got a chance to sit down with Nigel over in the Isle of Wight and have a great chat with him to reflect on the fights with Senior and talk the epic clash coming up on October 8th with his son Connor and Chris Eubank Jr. Listen here because you don't want to miss this. No, I didn't like him whatsoever. We just didn't really see eye to eye. He's the kind of person that thinks the Queen should be living in Hove and he should be in Buckingham Palace. That's, that's how he is. That's the way he is. You know, I mean, it's, it's good for show business, but the difference is we've had our time, you know, and I just want to fall back into the public. I just, just, my days are over. Do you understand? I don't want, I don't want to be in there no more, you know. And he loves the limelight. He loves it. You know, I fancy my son's chances because my son will put it on him. My son will put it on him. Regardless about the weight, Connor will adapt, mate, I'm telling you. And he's got so much different uh, combinations, mate. I'm not, I'm not actually worried. You know, it, I know you lot were talking about this is a legacy fight. Oh, it's not a legacy fight. To me, personally, it's not a legacy fight. It's only because of the name. But the difference is me and Eubanks, senior, we earn us. I got my legacy on the WBC belt, mate. That's where my legacy in the fight is. Just, it's just a fight, mate. Go and have it, son. As long as me and my son relationships tight, that's all I really care about. Not, you know, I ain't got time. I ain't got time because it's to me, Chris Junior is just exactly like his dad. They're, they're both the same. They're both the same. I've not sat down once and watched any of my fights with Connor. Not one. Not one, not even Gerald McLean. Not one, not one fight have I sat down with Connor. Not one. He'll do that himself. But I've never actually sat down there and watched one fight with Con. Don't need to. <laughs> he can go, and, you know, go on YouTube and find it himself. You know, and I leave that to him. Let him find out who his dad is. Not by me trying to. Yeah, watch. You got to watch this. Con, you got to watch this. You know, no. I'll just leave it all to him. You want to watch it? Watch it. What I would say to Connor, just keep you calm. Put it on him. Take it to him. Don't let him try and bosh you around, mate. That's it. Just take it to him and work that body. He's got a very lean body. He's like his dad. Got an unbelievable physique. But you, Michael Watson showed you how to break the Eubanks. Work that body. How can you say 60% and all that? Well, good luck. Good luck to you. You do that. You come in there 60%. And you know what it is? If he wins or he beats Connor, God forbid, but if he doesn't, I'm, 
I'm going to hold no grudge. I'm not going to walk around and think, oh, Connor, look what you've done now. <laughs> you know, we've got to wait until Levi grows up now to fight another. You know, so, but no, it's not, it's not like that. I just, you know, just want to have a good fight. And I do fancy my son, really. Not just saying that. I just, true not, Ben fashion? Yeah, true Ben fashion. True Ben fashion. Yeah, I just, just going to get up there and have, have a war. And watching his style now, how he's changed his style. Especially his defence that he needs to do. Because he can't go near gun-ho, you know. Because Cuban's son is strong. He's strong. But, like, you know, um, I think he's going to have his hands full. If he thinks that he's going to come in at 60%, good luck. Good luck, mate. Don't underestimate the destroyer. Who's related to the dark destroyer? <laughs>
designs in beautiful fabrics and translate that into the boxing world. So, you know, our shorts, if you want basic shorts, we're probably not the people for you, but you know, if you really want to make a mark, carve your style into, into the ring and into your kind of career as a fighter, then fight level is kind of dressing. I guess, I guess every fighter is different and you know, they come with different designs. You'll have your own input, but I guess if you could put a generic time span on how long it takes to create an average pair of shorts, shall we say? I don't know, you don't do average, but you know, what sort of time frame from you know, creation to, to delivering it to the fighter can you work around? Typically speaking, it's anything from, you know, there's so much that goes into it because we don't just use stock fabrics. We order everything in. It's, it all depends, you know, we ship fabrics in from Italy, New York, all over. It's, I'd say roughly, like, probably if you condensed it down, it may be like three days to a week if, you, if I was to just isolate one outfit and look at it, you know, in terms of shipping fabrics in, waiting for it to arrive. We hand draft every pattern, tailor-made to measurements. These aren't just small, medium, and large. This is like going to go and get a bespoke suit tailor-made to fit you. This is, you know, very, very custom level. And obviously you're not working on just one fighter's uh, outfit at a time. You must be juggling dozens and dozens. Yeah, it's a lot. We're, we're probably making, I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, maybe between five and seven outfits a week, but when they're at the level of intensity and complexity of the designs, probably my fault for being creative on this, but it's, you know, they are quite labor intensive pieces um, and they are masterpieces when they're created, you know, they're beautiful garments and they are special. And I guess, you know, for a fighter that's watched by millions, it's a show. And, you know, even for the likes of Matchroom, you want your fighters to look presentable like they're going to a show and it attracts a wider audience if the fighter like he looks interesting if they go in in a plain black Mike Tyson outfit like towel with a hole cut in it it's not really gonna grab the viewer's attention. Do you find materials and colours differ you know do you sort of go through waves as you would with normal fashion I guess does it things come in and out of fashion? Definitely I will go through runs of like I'll look at the production sheets of what we like what we're making and sometimes I'll see that we might be making red shorts all week. And I think, you know, where did this come from? But we're shipping them all over the world. So it's not like they're on the, the same show and they're all different designs. So it's, people often ask me like, you know, how do you keep coming up with different unusual designs? And I'm like, you know, take a fighter like Cal Brook. He always wore red shorts. Every pair of shorts we ever did was so different. And people say, how do you keep reinventing a pair of red shorts? And it's, that's kind of me as a designer that can keep things fresh and teaming things with different, um, colors and sourcing more unusual fabrics and textures and finishes and you know that kind of leading by fashion is such an important part for me I mean my background is fashion so that's such a key thing and then to kind of bring that into functional sportswear that's you know you wear 12 rounds getting punched it's quite you know the garment's not only got to look beautiful but it's really got to stand stand the pace yeah, we'll come on to that actually. It's one of my questions down the line. So just hold that for <laughs> okay. just there. Let's talk, generally speaking, what's some of your favorite designs uh, you've made in the last decade that really stand out for you and you feel proud of and say, yeah, that was, that was one of the better ones we, we made? I mean, there's so many like iconic ones. Obviously, like Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor was such an iconic fight, um, you know, one of the highest paid fights ever in history. And to be able to dress that was and the story around that was quite a magical story and it'll always stick in my, in my mind. That must go a long way with the fighters that you will physically get on a plane and hand deliver their, their finished product in a, in a lovely bag for them ready to fight. Needs must if, you know, I'm not going to let a fighter down at any expense. Like, you know, and it's, this is the other thing. If I didn't make these connections with people, you know, we don't kind of build that loyalty, that longevity and kind of the, 
the credibility of the brand that we do go that extra mile and you know flying out for me it's not just you know going to the fight is one thing but I get to connect with so many other clients and probably 75% of our business is probably US based which is you know boxing's huge over there um, and the American fighters are very flamboyant and very they like all the sparkle and yeah, yeah they love it and you know for me that lets me run a bit wild like my creativity can be expressed more by working with that so I'm not going to just sit at home and hope who comes knocking you know I, I will go and you know people get to know me and know fight label and the brand and it's all good I, I enjoy it as well have you ever had an incident where you've had a call on the day of fighters maybe put their shorts on and I don't know they've tripped over and there's been a little tear or something's gone wrong with the attire and they need immediate attention I've not no I remember one that'll probably happen now I've it probably it. will you've cursed it now I remember one it was one of AJ's fights and he was about to ring walk and I remember somebody called me and went Sophie is AJ's robe flame retardant and oh. I was like no <laughs> okay don't go near the flames <laughs> <laughs> that's as near to a disaster as you've had <laughs> yeah well I hope I haven't cursed that we ask all of our guests on this segment the same and each answer is different because we're speaking to different people in the world of boxing so you're sitting there ringside the main event's coming on you've got one of the fighters wearing fight label. How does a fight play out through your eyes? Can you enjoy it as a fan or are you looking at their attire throughout the 12 rounds and taking a, you know, an interest in how it looks in there? I think there's two answers to this question. In the start, I would watch the outfit and I was almost like nervous. It was kind of a, oh my gosh, not the shorts are gonna fall down. Or fall. It's just kind of, you have that, when you've created something from scratch with your own two hands, you have a, level of care for it like no other you know I see the blood start to pour the white shorts are going slowly slowly pink to blood red by the end of the fight um now I think I just watch the fight and enjoy it more I've kind of relaxed you know we've worked with so many clients for so long I've been doing this nearly a decade and it's I've kind of got comfortable with it now if you ask my mom on the other hand she, she, works with you as well. she works with me. She cannot watch. She would be, I'll take her to the fight. She'll be sat ringside and she, the fight will be about to start. And she'll go, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, you're absolutely not going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, somebody would chop their right arm off for that scene. So, but she, she just gets a nerve, nervous level of care. And it's, and I think because like you said before, we build up quite a personal like relationship with these fighters. So you're working with them on these outfits and you kind of care about them as well. And it yeah, is sure. quite a, I can only imagine what it would feel like if it was a family member in the ring. Like, you know, these are just my clients, but you know, it is quite a, an emotional process because you want your fighter to, well, one, you want them to win because they're wearing your outfit. More and more so recently, we've, we're addressing both main events like Canelo Golovkin and you know, it's, you then you've become so a bit neutral. Another draw, yeah. <laughs> <Another> draw. <laughs> wonderful. Um, so yeah, it's, it is, I, I do watch it more now for enjoyment. I mean, I used to go to many, many fights just to get Fight Label known that people see me. Most people don't even know my name is Sophie. They're just like, oh, there's Fight Label. Um, and now I just kind of cherry pick what I want to go to and go for more enjoyment purposes. You mentioned blood there. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about blood on shorts. I mean, a lot of fighters will frame their shorts afterwards. Some wash them, some leave them unwashed. Can blood come out of shorts? Let's not you talk about blood on <laughs> shorts. No, it's... Um, we can. I mean, we do get blood out of shorts. We've 
renovated all of AJ's fight wardrobe and it's, you know, you do have to remove, <laughs> remove blood and it can come out just, if it's an outfit we've made, we know how to clean it, we know how to care for it. Um, we can deconstruct parts if we know that that part needs to be washed and like if the waistband, we use a lot of leather in our outfits, which is, you know, it's a natural breathable material. So it's, you know, the other thing is it's wipeable. So on a waistband, that's quite useful and it also sticks to the groin protector when they're wearing them. So it has more purposes than that. The shorts themselves, a lot of them are, again, natural fabrics like silk, which is breathable, helps with the sweating and the lightweightness, um, which isn't so much washable, but you might want to dry clean that. So there's certain elements that can. Then obviously if we crystallize stuff and it becomes quite embellished, that adds another <laughs> dimension of problematic parts yeah. when it comes to cleaning. We've got Derek Chisora's outfit from the last fight at the moment, which is in for cleaning. <laughs> it's no longer white. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. Like, would you recommend washing them or leaving them as is with the, the battle scars on? I like to, I like the, the battle worn look. I think the issue sometimes with it is it depends on the level of battle worn. Like if it right. is soaked in blood, you know, it's, it's can you a, run into problems with mold and things like that? You can, yeah. it is a bacteria and it starts to eat away at the fibers in the fabric. Oh, yeah. So you do need to get to a point where you're going to stabilize the level that it's at. Sure. Um, just for, for that purpose, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it looks great to have them literally off the back fight one, but when they're drenched in sweat and it's, you know, literally blood, sweat and tears, yeah. that doesn't much. necessarily, like it is a fabric and it can start to decay over yeah. time, which we have seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> especially when the shorts are thrown in a bag straight after the fight and they're not opened for well, yeah, several for weeks. On, yeah, I can imagine, I can imagine. And just finally, for someone who perhaps is looking to get in the industry in a similar position yourself, what would you give as you know, a level of advice for, for someone who's seen your work and thinks, yeah, I'd like to get involved in that? It's passion and dedication. And, you know, I do this for the love of it and for building the brand that I've built. And hopefully the next step for me in terms of the more apparel, equipment, footwear kind of side of things is, is where I'm taking Fight Label. Um, but it's consistency and never giving in to rushing something just to get it done it's you know I will go that extra mile like you said I will get on a flight I will work till four in the morning I will do whatever it takes to make sure my clients have what they deserve and that they're happy and not just them that I'm happy with it you know I'll never send something out if I'm not 100% happy with it um, but it's just sticking to what you know don't lower your standards don't go for quantity over quality like always you know we, we've not got to the top of our game by you know using cheap fabrics and churning them out like there's no tomorrow everything is is done to a, a level of perfection which i'm happy with well great well sophie great to catch up and learn a little bit more about fight label and we will see you i guess in vegas in vegas. two weeks two weeks, weeks. wow we'll see you there. <laughs> nice one thanks for your time. thanks well scott my first point i want to raise to you mate is I saw Joe Cordina put an Instagram story up. You were out in Malta and you bumped into each other. Was that organised? Was that by chance? Yeah, it was pre-planned, actually. Yeah, obviously, no, Joe is uh, of Maltese descent. And like you say, I was over there for a couple of days. So uh, slid into his DMs. And uh, yeah, we, we met up for a half an hour, an hour. Had a, had a, I was going to say had a Coke. He, he certainly wasn't on the, uh, the hard stuff. I had a, I had a beer. <laughs> he was on the fruit juice. But yeah, nice to catch up in some, some summer sun. Well, I actually sent Joe a voice note on the back of that story and said, mate, I can't believe Scott's got shorts on. Well, I've said two or three weeks running now, mate, I do have legs. 
Joe was flabbergasted. Apparently, he told you to take your top off, but he didn't fancy it. No, no, typical Brit board, mate. T-shirt on by the pool. I think I had trainers on as well. I'm not really a sliders or flip-flop man. So. Did you have your match and boxing t-shirt on? I can't remember. Uh, no, I didn't, mate, actually, to be fair. But I've been wearing one the last two days, so represent. <laughs> not the same one, I hope. No, definitely not. <laughs> let's just uh, let's just lead into some, obviously, more news from our side last week. Abu Dhabi, very exciting. The first boxing event in Abu Dhabi. Talk to us about that, because that card is is really taking shape now and set up to be a cracker. Yeah, well, it was interesting having a chat with Joe, and uh, I think I said to you in the day or two after, it was a bit of a shame I didn't grab any sound bites for him for this podcast, but um, you know, I suppose I wasn't working, so uh, let me have the hook there. But look, Joe's under no illusions. This is a, a difficult fight, but look, let's be honest, a world title fight shouldn't be easy. It's his first defence, this is mandatory, uh, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a difficult challenge. But in order to succeed, move on, and hopefully unify, he's going to need to come through these sort of fights. So, yeah. Cracking little fight. Obviously, uh, Rakimov is with Aegis Kilimas, who's with Alexander Usyk's team as well. So that tells you straight away he's no mug. Yeah, I mean, and Cordina, he'll be going into that with the the most confidence he probably could ever have hoped to be heading into a fight like this with after that KO in Cardiff. I mean, I'm still uh, still not quite over it. Are you? The scenes, the limbs, ringside, when he landed that right hand. Well, let's be honest. You know, we was obviously backing him to win, but I don't think anyone saw that happen, you know. No, no. It was sensational. And like you say, it was literally limbs led by Joshua Boazzi, who leapfrogged from the, the commentary desk and almost <laughs> on a, a Royal Rumble over the top rope style entrance. It was uh, it was spectacular. Amazing, amazing moment. And that leads us on when we're talking about the atmospheres, Nottingham. I mean, how special was was Lee Wood, Michael Conlon earlier on this year, expecting another sold out crowd for a monster fight. We had Lee, of course, on last week talking about Mauricio Lara. I can't wait for this show. Well, that was another almost, oh my God, sort of moment. Uh, another dramatic knockout. Uh, yeah, it's, it was it was crazy, actually. You know, we think about how that fight unfolded, being decked in the in the opening round and coming back into it, dropping Michael and then getting him out of there in the last round, as he said he was going to do as well, which I think maybe goes under the radar a little bit. But, you know, the atmosphere that night was special. The, the Forest fans are certainly behind him. And the ticket sales for this show are going through the roof. We are very nearly sold out. So if you haven't got a ticket... And you want to be there in Nottingham on September the 24th. Definitely get your tickets now. Uh, that's without the majority of the undercard being announced as well. You know, we've only, I think we've only announced three fights so far. Three cracking fights though. Let's, let's be fair to us. Give ourselves a pat, give Eddie a pat on the back, I think. Yeah, three great fights. You know, I was with Terry Harper earlier today up in Doncaster. Who's, you know, she's preparing to become the first ever woman from the UK to become a two-weight world champion, which I didn't actually know that. So she's wow. looking... She's looking very strong, very big as well, but not, not obviously big, big, but, you know, she's really chiseled into the weight and looks naturally a different animal. I was quite surprised by how big her arms were. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm actually with Leewood on Monday. I need to actually give Ben Davison a shout, but I'm excited to go and, and spend some time with Lee because he really, really fancies this. And another man who really fancies his upcoming fight is Chris Eubank. Uh, just got back from a really busy couple of days down in Brighton down on the sunny seafront with with Chris Eubank Jr. and Ronnie Davis and the guys down there. I mean, the more time I spend with these guys, obviously I was out um, on the Isle of Wight with Connor last week, but I just cannot wait. And both fighters, what makes me so excited, have said the exact same quote, I can't lose. Which I think when you've got a fight with two guys who are willing to put it all on the line to make sure they do everything to not lose this fight. There's so much on the line for both of them, so much pressure, the family legacy, the name. 
I mean, it's got everything, right? This fight, Scott. Yeah, well, like you say, both men say they can't lose, and it's more than a fight, isn't it? It's it's legacy, it's history, and you know, it's it's kind of one of them fights. And you know, you, I know you've got a little story. You don't want to be walking down the street afterwards, and someone's someone's sort of coming up to you, rubbing it in your face. But um, yeah, what, what happened? You, you mentioned on WhatsApp the other day you was filming with Eubank and maybe well, someone's... Eubank. Well, it's funny. I mean, I think both both are very interesting characters, Chris and Connor. Uh, both uh, somewhat a little bit flashy. I don't think they'd mind me saying that. Connor drives a Rolls Royce with RR Ben and Eubank drives a naughty McLaren with Eubank as the number plate. Um, and we were just getting outside the gym and a van drove past and someone shouted out the window, Ben knocks you out, you beep. I'll leave out the uh, the word. And Chris just said, thanks. So <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think he was too bothered by, by any hecklers, but October 8th cannot come soon enough. I can't wait for that fight. But more sooner than that, Mexico this weekend. Estrada always love watching him. He's always in an absolute tear up. Uh, that looks like to be a good card. That's got on on the zone, of course, this this weekend. Yeah, we've got a full fight card. We're live at uh, one a.m. Saturday night. Uh, I think it's five p.m. PT. Four fights uh, led by Estrada, like you say. Mexican derby against Cortez for the WBC franchise and Ring Magazine super flyweight title, topping the bill. We've got Rocky Hernandez, who's fresh off that sensational KO. Uh, against Castaneda, he's back in action. Erica Cruz defending the world title, and there's a vacant IBF world title fight between Flores and Not Shingo, which is um, looks a bit of a tear up on paper as well. So I know we mentioned it last week, but these cards are often well matched and quite explosive as well. You know, it's a it's a good launch pad for these guys to maybe get on some of the bigger American shows, for example. So yeah, looking forward to to watching that um, from the comfort of my sofa, but I will be working remotely. Now, you all would have seen we had our launch press conference for Bivol Ramirez this week. Alex Haynes, fellow Matrim colleague, picked up the mic for the very first time in a very windy Abu Dhabi desert. He managed to secure a few minutes with both sides of the main event. Here he is. He's coming off a huge win against Canelo, your countryman. Have you spoken to Saul at all? Do you see this as a chance for revenge for your country? Uh, this is a, a, a revenge for my country. I didn't spoke with him, but uh, but I know they will, will take take revenge for not only for him, for Mexico too. Do you think after the Biver fight with Canelo, he might be overlooking you slightly? He keeps talking about his big plans to be undisputed. Well, we don't know, but I want to fight the, the best of my weight class division and I want to fight with the best and I want to fight with the best and if you want to jump in, let's do it. People want to see that fight too. In terms of the fight itself, looking at both of your styles, how do you see it unfolding on November the 5th? Well, I just see myself raise my hands and the announcer the telling me that I'm the new and the new and still undefeated. Points victory or knockout? Um, I don't know, but uh, it could be a points, it could be a knockout. We don't know until we win the fight. This the O. Both of you are undefeated. How motivated are you to keep your O and make it 45 wins out of 45? It's uh, exciting for me to to be undefeated, to be uh, undefeated, and and I will keep winning. I will keep giving, keep winning. And I will be uh, uh, beat the record of Flamingway, and and that's that's what I wanted. In November fifth, I was still making history. So Dimitri, well, welcome 
being here in Abu Dhabi, how do you feel to be part of this historic event? Uh, I feel great. It's first uh, uh, title fight in Abu Dhabi. I'm really happy that uh, this fight uh, I'll make. After the fight in Vegas against Canelo, what did you do to celebrate? And did it take a few days to process the win? Mm. What I did, I, I just was in my room with my friends, with my team. And uh, I didn't celebrate, I think, you know. When I came home, I just see my friends and uh, my parents at home. Don't celebrate. Just another it's win. It's not enough. <laughs> you want more? Of course, I want more. Uh, Vadim said at the press conference, it's important to find new motivation after being someone like Canelo. What motivates you about this fight against Zerdo? Uh, Zurdo is a good opponent. He's tall. He's, uh, he has uh, 44 fights and uh, zero defense. De de losses. Uh, zero losses. Uh, I want to be... I want to beat him, you know, and uh, I knew him and uh, it's motivated me, you know, that he doesn't has a loss. You said in the press release that this fight had been brewing for a long time and many things have been said. Is there anything that Zerdo said to disrespect you? No, it's, I don't think that disrespect, but he, he said about uh, I was hiding, you know, but it wasn't true. Uh, now we, we, we have fight and we will see in the ring. And um, looking at your styles, yourself and Zerdo, how do you feel this fight will unfold? We will see in the ring, to be honest, you know, but uh, if, if we see on Zurda, he's big and uh, I think he, he's gonna use his size uh, because he's big and uh, I'm gonna use my plus size, it's my legs, it's my speed, it's my combinations. Uh, and he, he used a lot of body shots. We will see good fight, I'm pretty sure. And in a few weeks in Vegas, Canelo versus Golovkin, the trilogy, how do you see that unfolding? It's interesting fight because uh, uh, Canelo lost last fight. <laughs> it means uh, maybe uh, he's not confident too much on this fight and maybe Golovkin more confident on this match and uh, it's a new weight class. It's more interesting that uh, that before. Well, Scott, have you heard Alex do an interview before? Do you think uh, the wind put him off? Do you think the nerves might have got the better of him a bit there? I haven't heard him do an interview before, and I don't think we will again, to be honest. <laughs> Appreciate your effort anyway, mate. Good job. Stick to the, stick to the content, Alex. Well, it is that time of the week once again, Dance Partners. On the face of it, it is quite simple, but let's see if that continues to be the case this week. We speak to a fighter who has had 15 or more fights in their pro career. They then get 30 seconds to name as many of their opponents as they can in that time. And as the weeks go on, we'll formulate a leaderboard in true Top Gear fashion and the winner will receive a donation to give to a charity of their choice. Now, who could we get on this week? What's the question? After Josh Warrington leapfrogged to the top of the table last week in dramatic fashion with a record score of 15, we looked close to home, gym mate, 
good friend and IBO world lightweight champion, Maxi Hughes. He looks to overtake the Leeds Warrior this week. Maxi, how are you doing, mate? All good, mate, yeah. Feel it pressure now. Now I know I'm going up against Josh, so I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Talk to us about life for you at the moment, Maxi. Obviously, big fight news dropping very recently. This fight with Kid Galahad, it's one that was spoken about for a little while now. How happy are you that it's finally over the line? Yeah, I'm really happy to uh, to have a date. You know, I was hoping to fight over the summer. That sort of fell through with the, the Gar- Ryan Garcia again. But yeah, the, the Kid Galad name were floated about. Although it's had been announced at short notice, you know, I have I have been preparing and training hard. So, you know, we're only nearly three weeks away. So I have been training properly quite a long time. So uh, everything's going well and it's good to have finally announced and confirmed somebody to really aim at and um, to prepare in and know we're going up again. We know it, it was killing Barry, wasn't it, really, to make one two six for his last couple of fights. I think he just about made it before the Kiko fight. How are you assessing the transition that, that he's going to have to make up to one three five, and and how his size and, and perhaps his power is going to hold up against someone like yourself? Just from experience, not not myself experience, looking at... Um, I remember Lee Selby doing the same thing once he'd lost to Josh. He says, oh, I'm, I'm going to just jump up two weight divisions. I'm going to be seriously powerful. I'm, you know, he's going to be this much better, that much better. But I remember watching his, well, pretty much all of his fights at lightweight and he boxed exactly the same. Uh, there were absolutely zero difference. Just the difference for him was he didn't have to cut that extra nine pounds. I presume it'll be same for Barry. You carry power up. You're, you're, you're either... Seriously powerful, you know, you look at Manny Pacquiao, you know, I know I'm talking elite, elite level, but he carried his power up from flyweight, I believe, up to welterweight. Um, again, just a nat- natural power, whereas Barry is, is at his stoppages, but I think it's more people being frustrated by his style. So don't get me wrong, I'm expecting the best version of Barry um, come fight night, but um, there's nothing, there's obviously nothing that, that worries me. Well, great stuff, Max. And we can't wait for this fight with Barry. Certainly a lot on the line. Uh, September the 24th, we look forward to it. But you are our fifth contestant on Dance Partners. Josh Warrington, as I said, tops the leaderboard with 15. We've got Darren Barker in second with 14. Tony Bellew in 13. John Ryder on nine. Uh, you've had 32 professional fights. Just wonder how your nerves are ahead of this, mate. The pressure's on. Yeah, I am feeling the pressure a bit. But I just, just before, just to get some rules. Oh, here we go. I've had... <laughs> I've had three fights with Martin Ward. That's one point. <laughs> <laughs> right. Never mind. Scott's cleared that up then. <laughs> so I can't see yeah, it. That's in the small point, Three points. <laughs> I'm going to hand over to uh, producer Scott, who's there with you, who's going to start the clock. Three, two, one. Liam Walsh, Ryan Walsh, Giovanni Strafon, General Carroll, Victor Kodachigov, um, Kieran McLaren, Chris Pilkington, Ronnie Clark, Christian Lay, Johnny Greaves, Yusuf Alhamidi, Michael Mooney, Martin J. Ward, Scotty Cardle, um, James Freyers, Sam Bowen. Uh, Ivan Godor, um, Ibra Riaz. Uh, Time. Well, Maxi, the official decision is in. Let's uh, Let's see if Scott's got good news or bad news. Who's got the bragging rights, Scott? And the new yeah. Maxi Hughes <laughs> to the top of the leaderboard with 18. 18. 18. In. And I must say as well, very impressed that it was first name and surname. We have had a few just surnames only. So if there's a tiebreaker down the line, that could be a little bonus point for Maxi. Yeah, so a little bit extra. Yeah, 18, top of the pops. Um, yeah, 
number one. Number well, Maxi, Maxi, you've won a, you won the British title, you won the IBO World title, been involved in massive fights. Where does this rank in 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 those achievements, mate? It's it's up there. You know, Josh don't realise Josh is uh, currently on holiday. I've potentially got the power to to ruin the rest of his holiday by telling <laughs> him he's just been beat and dance partners. Brilliant. Well, Maxi, uh, great to catch up with you as always, mate. We'll let you crack back on with your training. Uh, can't wait for this fight, man. And we uh, we look forward to catching up with you very soon in fight week. Cheers, pal. Speak to you soon, mate. Well, as always, we're going to finish up and chat through some shouts by you, the fans, in answer to our question. What was the best thing to happen in boxing last week? And I'm very, very happy to say joining us this week is 2-0 Cruiserweight Rising Star, Chev Clark. Chev, thanks for coming on, mate. How are you doing? Uh, very good, thank you. I don't know who you introduced, but he sounds like a good fella. <laughs> very good <laughs> indeed and a character and a character chef do you think the more we spend time together chef and the more time you're having in front of the cameras with, with us at matrim and, and the boxing media guys we're starting to see a bit more of that that character personality coming out you know me i'm always authentic but as i said to you before like the more i see you the more relaxed i'll be do you know what i mean i won't ever like portray something i'm not an actor i'm, I'm just chef well, Chev, you were you were a bit late today, mate. We were meant to do this a bit earlier on today, but you were sparring in the gym, putting in that important work. Were you sparring John Hedges today? Yeah, John and the cruiserweight. Is it Tommy Fletcher? Is that his name? Uh, That's Mark it, Tommy Fletcher. Fletcher. Uh, both from Mark Tibbs's gym. Uh, good fellas, some good rounds. Well, how was uh, how was John looking? John was good, man. John was doing what John does. You know what I mean? Them southpaws, they 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 tricky guys, you know. But um, yeah, it was some good rounds, man. Good rounds for myself. Cool, and uh, and you're back out very soon, of course, Nottingham, September the 24th. Talk to us about that, mate, and uh, and how excited you are to get back in the ring for your third fight. Listen, Nottingham, September 24th, make sure you're there. Be there or be square. I'm excited, 3-0, and um, to go 3-0, and sorry. And just, you know, it's my first away um, fight, so it's good to show the rest of the country what I can do. So, you know, hopefully I can get, gain some new fans and um yeah looking forward to go out there before man you know I me mean? i really like doing too much talking about it great stuff sir. we're looking forward to that let's hand over to uh producer scott now he's got uh, a few shouts for us to go over so over to you scott thanks jamie well we took to our youtube community page and asked the fans what was the best thing to happen in boxing last week so let's get underway so first shout in is from someone called Jules Netherlands, not Jules Holland, Jules Netherlands, a bit weird. Um, and Jules suggests the best thing to happen in boxing last week was three big wins for the top ranked heavyweights in Tulsa, Jared Anderson, F.A. Adjabaga and Richard Torres Jr. Well, I saw the, the Jared Anderson clip that got shared far and wide, did it? I suppose for you, Chev, as a, as a, as a cruiserweight, do you, do you keep an eye on, on the heavyweight division? What's your mindset when it, when it comes to that? No, I don't. I just mind my own business. I, I keep my eye on what I'm doing and uh, what I need to keep my eye on. Funny enough, I have sparred with uh, Jared Anderson before because he was on Team USA while I had my time on Team GB. Um, we did do some sparring together, but obviously he's gone up and um, he's a heavyweight now and he's doing really well. So all the best to him. Well, Rudy T underscore Brum Free, bit of a mouthful, suggests the KSA num uh, the KSI numbers across social media last week don't lie. New eyes on sport is good for everyone. Well, what's your thoughts, Chev? Because I'm going to tell a little story about Jake Paul uh, in a little while. But what's your thoughts on on the YouTubers fighting and, and the atmosphere that was at the O2 uh, last weekend? You know, um, for those guys, it's 
good business for them. They're, they're good business people. Obviously, they have the clout, the attention. And today, in today's society, attention, if you've got it, you, you have all the cards, basically. So, you know what? They're working um, their hand to the best they can. And I'm sure if anybody else had the power they had um, in terms of attention, they would do the same thing and monetize it. Um, unfortunately, for the boxers who are dedicated athletes to this um, sport of ours, it, it kind of kind of puts puts them at a, a disadvantage because somebody that's just picked up boxing, let's say six months ago, can be headlining at a, a main arena, you know. But you know, uh, you just have to take it as it is. Um, there ain't much you can do about it, and just keep working your corner. Well, you had a little bit of involvement, didn't you, Chev? Uh, more so from because of myself. I remember Eddie mentioned your name to to Jake Paul. I FaceTimed you when I was with Eddie out in New York, and and the numbers for that went mm-hmm. viral, man, didn't it? <laughs> that was that was fun while it lasted. Yeah, it, you know, again, as you said, the numbers were crazy because he's obviously got all that attention. So as soon as um something uh pertaining to him happens, it then brings eyes on whoever else is involved. So yeah, I've had a touch of that. Um, it is very interesting. Um, I see uh, Sonny Edwards posted something the other day, actually, which made sense. He goes, every athlete should have a YouTuber friend, <laughs> 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 which I think could work, you know. Is your YouTuber friend Jake Paul? Uh, no, no, we ain't friends like that. He don't <laughs> want no smoke. He don't want no smoke. <laughs> well, Theo Roberts suggests Chantel Cameron and Joe Cordina having two big fights in Abu Dhabi was the best news, best things happening in boxing last week. Well, that card's really taking shape. I mean, what a great card that's turned out to be. Chantel going for all the marbles against Bukaskill, Cordina. First defence of his world title against Rakimov as well. I suppose my question for you, Chev, Joe Cordina, someone you know very well. Do you uh, do you stay in touch with, with the GB boys and girls still now? Yeah, for, for the most part, yeah. Obviously, everybody's on their own journey now. Um, but there's some people that are just solid individuals that it's only right that you will keep in contact. And Joe... Even though he wasn't my teammate on the team, I met Joe uh, just before he went to the Olympics in 2016. And um, it was just a genuine mutual um, exchange. And it's just been that ever since, you know. I support him, he supports me. And when I was turning pro, um, he was somebody I could lean on to get some information. And still to this day, it's that case. So, yeah, I'm fully supporting him and backing him to defend his um, title. And the last shout for this week is Luis Jose Alberto who suggests the best thing that's happened in boxing last week was to see former unified world champion Danny Roman getting out of the sport early and healthy. Enjoy retirement, champ. Well, I think, yeah, the, the one fight that springs to my mind is, was on a matchroom show, actually, wasn't it, Scott? I believe the absolute tear-up with TJ Doheny. I suppose my, my question for you, Chev, when you look at, you know, time frames, you, you've only just turned professional, but you've been in the sport for a little while now end goals, future planning. How does that look for, for Chev Clark when you think about it in your mind right now? You know, um, at this moment, I'm not thinking of the end goal. I'm thinking of my next fight. Um, I take it one day at a time. And it sounds cliche, but for me, as soon as I stop enjoying the sport, that's it for me. Um, you know, you have your goals, but at the same time, you still have to enjoy what you're doing. And um, mental health is a, is a big thing for me. So as soon as I stop enjoying it, um, I'll just hang up the gloves, you know. Well, Chev, you're a top man. It's always great to catch up with you, my man. And um, very positive character. 
Always love uh, catching up with you and great to have you on the show today, mate. We look forward to catching up with you before Nottingham and look, uh, watching you do your thing, mate, moving three and oh. So we'll catch oh, up. Thank there. you very much. Thank you very much, guys. I hope you have a beautiful evening. Well, thanks, as always, for listening to Flash Knockdown. We'll be back in the studio at Matchroom HQ earlier in the week, next week. So feel free, as always, to send your emails in to flashknockdown at matchroom.com. That's flashknockdown at matchroom.com. We'll be sure to bring up all your points as myself and producer Scott go over the latest news. Just a final note from me. It goes without saying, everyone at Matchroom, thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Ernie Shavers, former two-time world heavyweight title challenger who possessed arguably one of the biggest punches in the sport's history, sadly left this world. Rest easy, Ernie, and we'll be back on the show next week. Uh, 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 uh.